As a wide receiver, the quarterback and McFadden will get the direct snap. Fakes it, keeps it, comes left. Watch out! He's gone! I think! Gets a great block and goes 73 yards. Andrew Dowdy here on the High Motor Podcast with my close personal friend Chase Kitty, whose face I've never actually seen live. We're doing this one on Skype. And I think I've seen your face on Twitter before, but I had never actually seen like a full zoomed in mug shot of you. I mean, we're in the same general line of work. It's kind of bizarre how many people I would say I know really, really well. Like you and I have been associates, if we want to call it that, for several years now. Like we've spent literally hundreds of hours talking to each other. And I don't really know. I don't know what your body type is. I've never (laughs) seen your calves before. Strong second base. I don't know how tall you are, how much you weigh, none of that stuff. I've never been able to judge you in person. It kind of keeps this, kind of keeps this spicy, mysterious, doesn't it? We're still in the honeymoon phase of our podcast marriage. Is that what you're telling me? We, I mean, think about that. We've been we've been doing this off and on for at least two or three years now. At least talking, like I said, hundreds of hours, and I have your your smiling face, like as if you're not wearing pants in this picture, kind of thing. Like where I probably you, wasn't. You know something that we don't know. But I don't know. I don't know anything else. Like I don't know what your your upper arms look like, or like what your waistline is. Like, are you a thirty two or are you a thirty six? I have no idea. I think I'm a thirty four. Uh, if if I'm correct on the picture you're looking at, I'm wearing a white t shirt that says "Where's Fargo" from when JMU played North Dakota State in 2011. That shirt did not age well. Uh, <laughs> turns out they're good at football. Um, yeah, is that the photo? That's the photo. Let's talk about college football. And you and I were chatting, wondering when the AP Top 25 comes out. I thought it was uh, either mid-July or end of July. I don't know why I thought that at all. It turns out it's mid-August. I think last year it was August 18th, August 19th. And you had some comments. We're going to get into some things here on predictions and which teams we think will be the most overrated. But you had some comments earlier on, on the brands of college football and how we perceive them. I'm in the camp of where... We can sit here and talk about the AP Top 25 is worthless, it's pointless. It is in a way, but I also believe that perception is extremely important in college football. What were you getting at that you were alluding to? Um, so for, for a long time now, basically my entire adult life of watching sports, I have felt that preseason polls, it's not so much that they're stupid or that they're useless, it's that they are a window into how stupid and useless we as commentators and analysts are. Like if you look at these preseason polls, it's basically the same teams regurgitated in a slightly different order every year. And it really provides no actual insight. It just gets fans excited for the new season. And I think you could say all of that 10 years ago and it would still kind of ring true. Like I went back and looked at the 2008 preseason poll after 2007 and it was kind of interesting to look at after all the chaos Uh, how we kind of shifted right back to the same top tier brand names. But uh, it's interesting how this this sort of signaling has evolved in this Clemson and Alabama era where it's become even worse almost, where we know who the top two teams are the last five or six years. And so 
it it's almost like it really doesn't matter who we put after those two. And we're just throwing brand names in at a random order. It doesn't matter because we know the top two teams are the only two teams that can win it for probably five of the last six years. But historically, outside of those top two teams, I mean, take like five down to 15. Those vary a lot. I mean, you look at like Miami a couple of years ago, starting number eight, and I think they won five games that year. And I think it was 2018, 2017 or 2018. I think it was 18. And it feels like, I mean, you, we were talking about 2007. The comparison to me feels like when you see the NCAA tournament and you know historically that, that the 12 seed is good against the five and like, well, we're, you know, the 14 has beat a three before, but that's not going to happen this year. Like that happened last year. We're not going to see it this year. We're not going to see that many upsets this year. And you see it every single season. And I feel like going into college football season, we make so many safe predictions and we're so afraid to go outside of the box, especially the AP voters. And like you said, they kind of just bank on the brand names, even though they know full well, like we see every single year, even the more predictable seasons, outside of those, yeah, the, the top three, like you said, Clemson, Alabama, and then Ohio State, and then even down to Oklahoma, and then the fringe team there, there's usually one or two. But outside of that, like the 5 to 15 range, which is some pretty darn good football teams, those ebb and flow quite a bit, and it feels like every single season going into the year, we're like, well, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I really like this team at 11. They really have an outside chance to, to make it to the playoff. And yet every year we tell ourselves, well, that's probably not going to happen this year even though we all love college football because of how unpredictable it is. Is that the way you were going with that? It's a little bit of that. I, I think that that 5 to 15 range, because they're sort of neighborhoods. The top four or five, we know who those teams are. They're pretty rock solid. You've got to earn those spots over multiple years of showing us something. 5 to 15 is kind of like, hey, these are brand names that we are pretty sure are good. And there is some turnover in them, but it's a lot of the same teams over and over and over again. Like once once you've established that you have a, a good year or two, you're in that 5 to 15 slot until something really terrible happens. Florida State was in the 5 to 15 range. It, I mean, it took multiple years of absolutely abhorrent offensive line play for voters to finally go, hey, you know what we're not doing with Florida State this year? We're not ranking them 14th and saying they have an outside shot at the national title. Did you see this tweet? Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South, he's been on the show several times. He tweeted a couple of months uh, ago the percentage of times in the 21st century, so now 20 seasons in, that a team has finished worse in the AP Top 25 than where it started. Did you see this tweet? Do you know what I'm talking about yet? No. Great, because I want to ask this question, and that plays much better into it. Like, for example, the top team, Texas A&M, they were ranked in the Top 25 preseason seven times from 2000 to 2019. In each of those seven times, they finished worse in the final rankings. So most recently last year, starting with 12th, they finished unranked, going from 12th in the preseason to uh, unranked in the postseason. So to be clear, if you're not following us here, they finished worst 100% of the time from their preseason rankings. And he only included teams that were ranked uh, in the preseason top 25 at least seven times, hence Texas A&M being in there. So you can't just say like, I don't know, pull a random team. You're like Texas Tech. You can't say like Texas Tech was ranked once in the preseason top 25 and they fell out the end, so that 100%. That's dumb. So Texas A&M is at 100% with at least seven preseason rankings in which they finished lower than where they started. Think you can guess the other notable teams that have finished lower than where they started the most? I think I could give you a couple shots, yeah. So A&M is 100. The next closest team is 91. Then you get into the 80s. Any idea who those teams are? Um, 
This is the 21st century, right? The last 20 years. Yeah, and remember in podcasting, the more silence, the better. Right, right, right. So the the interesting part, I'm going to talk out loud just because I know you hate silence. I think the interesting part of this is that a lot of the teams that were good the first decade have been really mediocre during the last decade. So that that's interesting for the percentage game. So like when you think about somebody like Michigan who has been, you know, kind of a half punchline of missed expectations the last 10 years, they were still pretty good the first five or six years of the 21st century. So I'm not convinced, even though Michigan seems like an easy answer, and I'll go ahead and throw them out here, but I'm not convinced their percentage is going to be as high as people think because of those last, you know, those so Michigan's first few up there. Years. Michigan's actually fifth. 79% of the time when they're ranked in the preseason poll, they actually finished worse. So they're fifth at 79%. Okay, then that is kind of where I thought they were going to be. Because yeah. I, I didn't think they were going to be really, really far down there, but I, I, I didn't think they were going to be 90% either. Uh, let's see. Um, how about Miami? Miami is, is farther down the list than I would have thought. I saw the tweet before, like doing this exercise. So they're seventh at 70%. There's a team that you're not going to get Virginia tech at 71% in between Michigan and Miami. I'm convinced you would not have said them. Um, I don't know, man. I'm pretty aware of Virginia tech over here. I'm honestly shocked that you haven't, Nebraska hasn't come to your mind yet. Well, my problem with Nebraska is I don't I guess I just don't know how many years they were ranked in that sort of the meet like the 2005 to pre Scott Frost era. A lot though. I mean, you look at all those Bo Pelini teams. That's kind of been the misconception. Like Nebraska hasn't sucked. Like they've sucked the last two years. But are Bo Pelini those right, teams? But they were, haven't sucked for 20 years. Yeah, they were second 91 percent of the time that Nebraska was ranked in the AP top 25 preseason. They finished worse. Nebraska was second behind A and M. Uh, I've got to think Texas. Texas is farther down the list than you would uh, think. They're 63%. The other one I would guess probably, but they're bailed out by two sort of big-time postseason appearances is Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame is fourth, 82%. The one right above that is Florida State, 83%. Uh, I mentioned Michigan fifth, 79%. Virginia Tech, 71%. Miami, 70%. Then it's Tennessee and Stanford and Michigan State are tied. I never would have. Michigan State always seemed like the team where it took uh, people a long time to hop aboard the bandwagon. But 67%, I would have thought Tennessee would have been higher. Texas 63%, Georgia 58 And then you kind of get down the list a little bit. Iowa is actually at 57%, which I thought they'd be in the same camp as a Michigan State where most people are kind of like, yeah, I'll just throw Iowa in at like 23 or 24. They're going to win eight games. Turns out they were overrated more often than not. I want to give myself credit for Florida State just because I mentioned them off the cuff before we were even doing this. Anyways, USC 56%, Ohio State 55%, Auburn 54%. And I was looking at back at teams. We're going to talk about teams we think that are going to be the most overrated and predicting kind of the, the AP Top 25 this year. Nebraska last year, 24th. I mean, yeah, they're barely squeezing in there, but obviously that was outrageous. Michigan was 7th going into the preseason last year. Texas was 10th. Michigan State was 18th. And how about Syracuse, 22nd? You go back to 2018, a 5-win USC team that started 15th. Uh, But like I said, Miami in 2018, they were 8th. They ended up going 6-6 in the regular season. And I think the key here is because we, we can't predict the AP Top 25 at all, but I think we can get pretty darn close because, I mean, let's be honest, these voters aren't breaking down what, like the 50, 60, 70 teams that could crack into their top 25 that they could justify. There's, not, they're not, there's no way that they're doing it, just like coaches aren't actually voting in the coaches' poll. They're maybe doing some work, but they're using other notable rankings as a baseline. So you can, 
guess pretty comfortably. I mean, when the AP Top 25 comes out, you're, you're never that surprised by it, are you? No, no, because it's like I said, it's like I referenced, there's kind of stages to it. You got the top five that are established. You got the five to 15. Hey, these are your B players. And then with those last 10 spots, you can either do, hey, this is a program that could get back to relevance or you can do like strong G5 off the radar team. Like we talked about Cincinnati last week. That's an obvious 16 to 25 candidate this year. Yeah. So I think you can guess pretty generally where those teams are by looking like at ESPN's FPI top 25. That's out. Athlon's rankings are out. CBS does rankings. Sporting News 24 uh, 7 had their top 25 out. Based on where you think a team is going to be ranked, does anybody stick out to you the most that you are certain is going to be overrated in the preseason poll? Oh, yeah. I have a big one that I mentioned last week that I can get right into. Please. Yeah. Uh, LSU is going to be overranked at the top of the year. Do you think they'll be in the so, top five to six? Is that what you're assuming here? Yeah. So here's what I did. I mentioned earlier, I went back and looked at the 2008 preseason poll. And part of the reason I did that is I was curious what voters did with an LSU team like one season removed from winning the national championship. But it was kind of a weird season, as we all know. And it's not, you know, it's not like these days when you watch Clemson win the national title with Trevor Lawrence and then you come back the next year and obvious the Clemson is like the obvious number one choice. It wasn't like that in 2008. So I was curious what voters did with LSU and they put them at seven. Georgia was number one preseason and LSU was seven. And I thought, you know what? That kind of sounds right to me for this year. An LSU team that loses a lot. But voters just don't have the balls to go. I don't think they're going. I don't care that they're the defending national champions. I don't think they're going to be a top ten team this year. I think they're going to be right around seven. Do you think it's the same logic as I ranked uh, the top twenty five coaching hires since two thousand, maybe a month or two ago, and we talked about that on the air, and I had Ed Orgeron like sixth or seventh on that list, maybe, and I had said in there, is he actually the sixth or seventh best hire? Since 2000, I'm not really sure, but he did build the best team in college football history, in my opinion, so I just need to put him there. And you challenged that a little bit. Do you think some of the same logic applies here where people are like, you know what, I don't have a damn clue if LSU is the fifth best team in the country, but what they did last year, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit and just throw them there knowing that I have somewhat a defense by just saying, hey, they did it last year, maybe they could do it this year. I think it's it's maybe even more wrote than that it's it's just defending national champion theory you know like what when coming into the this past nba season people were talking about the warriors like well obviously they're not going to be as good this year clay thompson's hurt kevin durant's gone but you know still championship dna and then they were like the worst team in the in the nba so it's people i think have a really hard time sight unseen looking at a championship team, a reigning champion, and going, actually, they're going to kind of suck this year. They're not going to be very good. People can't do that. And I think in the case of LSU, it's particularly unique because we all know what they lost. And Derek Stingley and Jamar Chase, they're also bringing back two of the, what, like four or five best players in the country. So I think you also have that to fall back. To be clear, I agree with you. I think they're going to be like five or six. I would personally put them at seven, eight, or nine. And yes, that's one or two or three spots. But the difference between being like number five versus being number seven or eight is a huge, huge difference. Uh, I mentioned Miami a little bit ago. I think that they're either going to crack the top 25 or they're going to be really, really close, especially when you get Derek King 
at quarterback. Everybody knows who he is. He's a known commodity. I think people like that a lot. I actually don't dislike Miami that much. I mean, I just talked about LSU having two of the, what, four or five best players in college football. You look at Miami, not only do they have King at quarterback, they have two of the four or five best defensive linemen in football. I think that the bowl game debacle was a huge wake up for them. But that being said, I I just I have to see something more to rank them anywhere near the top twenty five. I think that they're in that pod of thirty five, forty, forty five for now. I, I'm I'm sick of seeing Miami fall. Like I said, going for number eight. Number eight was outrageous. There are teams that are overrated in the AP Top 25 that we know at the time they're overrated, and there are teams that we're not really sure and we're actually surprised they fell so far. We knew Miami at eight was outrageous, and that proved to be outrageous. So I'm going to send them farther down and let them climb back up. I'm I'm still amazed that there's any... I mean, we talk about the this false mystique surrounding Nebraska football and I think most people get that now. If you don't get that Nebraska is not the same Nebraska, you're absolutely delusional. I'm amazed there are any sort of mystique surrounding Miami football right now. I Something here. Since 2000, that was Randy Shannon's first season. Even with they had a handful of random 9 and 10 win seasons since then, so over the last 13 years, even with those, Miami still ranks 40th in the FBS in total wins over the last 13 years. Like, Toledo has more wins. Air Force has more wins than Miami. Kansas State, even with the whole Ron Prince debacle, the occasional mediocrity after after Bill Snyder came back, they have more wins than Miami over that time, and yet we don't talk about Kansas State like we do Miami. Like, Nebraska has more wins than them, too, somehow. Missouri has more wins than them. Uh, BYU is on this list. West Virginia, Ohio, Texas A&M. I don't get it. When you have a game day atmosphere that sucks as much as theirs does. This isn't the U back in the 80s and the 90s. You have a program that is completely mediocre at, what, very best. Over those 13 years, you failed to win eight games eight different times, and they're probably going to be like 25 because some voters feel like this is the U, and it still is the U, even though they've basically done nothing. I was not expecting to rant about Miami this much. Yeah, that was that was off the cuff for me, but that was good. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's this is a big brand. They've got some history. Usually have decent recruiting classes. Big splashy transfer quarterback coming in from Houston, and they don't even bother me that much. Like I don't I don't dislike Manny Diaz or King or like anything about Miami. I'm just I'm sick of people saying like, oh, the Miami Florida State game. Who cares? I, I would way rather watch like Memphis play Cincinnati or something. That's a way better game. And yet we're still pushing this idea that Florida State and Miami matters. That is so far down my list of things that I want to care about. And I don't even dislike either of the programs. I'm just sick of pushing Miami to number eight in the polls. Or in this case, I think they'd be like 24 or 25 because they were the U 15 years ago. How is that at all relevant in a sport that has more turnover than any other American sport? Who receives more preseason votes this year, do you think? Miami or UCF? UCF, not even close. UCF is is that that comfortable pick. They're like the Iowa now of the group of five, where you know that they're going to be probably top 25 throughout the entire season, and you can justify it. They're the known commodity. I'm, I'm wondering with UCF, I, I'm not convinced they're a top 25 team anymore, but... Like we get in these tracks of how we think about teams 
and it takes so long to undo them. And I wonder if that's where we're at with UCF right now, where they're like maybe a top 40 team, but not a top 25 team. But the, you know, the 2017, 2018 ish UCF teams are going to linger in our head for so long that they're just going to show up at 22 on a lot of these preseason polls till 2027. What's the life of that for a G5 versus a P5 team? Like, is it take half as long for us to get this idea of a G5 team out of our head than a P5 team? I think so. I I think because we don't, it's not like we're, I mean, you and I, I think, do a pretty good job with this, but I think the average person or the average media member, I don't think they check in with the G5 enough. So once they have an idea in their head, they go, okay, well, that's where that program lives. Mm-hmm. And and it just kind of goes until there's some terrible fall off. Like I can make a case that Boise State is still in preseason top 25s because of what Chris Peterson did like 10 years ago. What do you think about North Carolina? We touched on them a little bit last week with the Virginia Tech Dark Horse playoff schedule talk. You seem to be way lower on them than most people, so I got to assume they're on your list. Uh, I think they could be in the receiving votes category. I can't imagine that multiple. You don't think they're going to be in the top twenty-five? I'm not sure. I, no. I don't. I don't think two coastal teams are going to be in the top twenty-five. Oh, they'll be in the top twenty-five comfortably. I think with a, a much tension as Sam Howell is getting, and and I think that's something like what North Carolina is doing recruiting twenty twenty-one. I think that matters, and that sticks with AP voters. I am. I would bet a lot of money that North Carolina's in the top 25 and maybe in the top 20. I'm going to say receiving votes. Do you think that's too high for them? No. I think they could be a receiving votes team. Really? Sure. That's surprising. Even with, I mean, and I, I kind of with Miami. There's a like, lot of teams in the receiving votes category. Like, I don't even that's... dislike North Carolina. It's the same deal with Miami. Like, Sam Howell is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the country, but I, th- I honestly think that North Carolina is going to land, like, they feel like the team where you're filling out your ballot and you have them sitting there and you don't really know what to do with like those teams in the 12 to 18 to 20 range. And you're just looking at like Sam Howell and saying, well, it's just moving up a little bit, just moving up a little bit. And I think enough people are going to vote them like 11, 12, 13 to push them more towards like 15 to 18 than 24, 25 or receiving votes. Like I don't. I don't see that personally from North Carolina. I need to see more after they won seven games last year in a mostly bad conference like that. They were not that good. Yes, they challenged Clemson. I get it. Yes, they didn't get like blown out that much at all. They lost a lot of close games. It could have been a nine and three season, but you still won seven games in a pretty poor ACC. So I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit, put them back into I think they're a top 25 team. I would be surprised if they didn't make it. I want to put them like in the twenty to twenty-five range. I'm God. I'm shocked you don't think they're going to be in the top twenty-five. I I think maybe I'm being too uh, maybe I'm being too kind to voters because generally I'm pretty skeptical and I don't know. I I don't have a lot of faith. I guess especially in polls stuff like this. I think Tech is the better option for the top twenty-five. I have Tech here at like twenty-two in my fake guesses at where people are going to land because I just think if you put the team side by side tech has more going for it in terms of what they bring back and you think tech will be overrated at 22 uh I think no I I don't even think that's necessarily being overrated I, I think when I think about overrated teams a lot of the times I think about 
top 15 teams more so than the back half teams. Because I think a lot of times where people sometimes – I don't, I don't want to overstate this here because there's definitely examples of the opposite. But I think a lot of times those, those last 10 teams are often accurately placed except for when they're really, really terribly placed. So I guess it's – Do you think that Virginia Tech falls in the category of teams that a lot of people want to see – be good. I, I personally, I would love to see Virginia Tech be better. I don't have like any emotional stake in them. If they're not better, I'm not going to lose sleep about it. But it seems like Virginia Tech falls in that category where a lot of voters, especially ones that came up in the 90s, are saying like, yeah, it would be really cool if Virginia Tech, and I also think people are just really thirsty for somebody, anybody in the ACC. In the Coastal, some, yeah. Even just any anyone in the ACC to do anything. Not even necessarily coastal, and I think that's why you could. And that's not even. I like Virginia Tech a lot this year. I like Louisville a lot this year. I like North Carolina, but I think that the voters are going to say we really want to see one of these teams be better. I think that Louisville is kind of that program. Everybody hated Bobby Petrino so much that you get somebody so likable like Scott Satterfield in there that a lot of voters are saying like, yeah, I would really like to see Louisville be better, and they're going to overvalue them. Do you think that Virginia Tech fits in that category? Not in the overrated category, but no, I think no, no. They in the in the where you in the category of want to see them yeah. better. Yeah, I do. I I think I think locally in not locally in Virginia, but locally on the East Coast, there is a a high degree of people just wanting the coastal to not suck and not have a totally terrible to watch product. Uh, and I think Tech, it, at least this year, is maybe the best chance for that. Where do you have? Uh, where do you think Louisville will be? I I can't decide if they're going to crack the top twenty five or not. Um. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I've been doing my rankings. I'm still kind of in the pod area. I have Louisville like in the 22 to 30 range, but I'm having a really hard time of balancing. This is talking about the AP top 25. I have a hard time balancing what I just said. I think that a lot of people are actually happy for Louisville because they've heard what happened under Petrino, that they are overvaluing them a little bit. And they're still probably a couple years away from being a true top 25 team. I think that's smart by you. I think that's economically good too. When you talk about a gambling angle, that's that's a good. Uh, that's Who a good else do you have on this list? Let's hit some of the uh, the crowd favorites here, the crowd pleasers. We got Michigan, Notre Dame, and Texas. You're just going to trifecta. <laughs> yeah. So, I I was particularly hold on, hold on, interested. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you even care where they're ranked, or you think they're just it's just going to be overrated no matter where they are? It's they're clearly going to be overrated no matter where they are. I mean that's. That seems obvious because uh, there's a better chance that Texas will start two and six than eight. No, as we covered last week, I have no comment on that, but um, I went back and looked at the last five preseason polls going into the last five seasons. And guess what? Pretty much all three were ranked in all five polls and they were overranked every time. So I'm thinking, and I've got a little bit of data behind this looking at the polls this, these were not numbers I pulled out of my ass. There is some math here. I have Notre Dame at 10. I have Michigan at 14. And I have Texas at 17. And I think the only one that has any chance of living up to those rankings is Texas just because of what they have on offense this year. The other two, if you look, I mean, they, they are gutted all across the roster, Notre Dame and Michigan. They have a lot of new stuff they're going to have to break in. And you know they're going to both be ranked in the top 15 because that's what happens. Michigan is a hard one for me because I was a Harbaugh apologist for so long. I 
what he did at Stanford, I don't think it's enough attention now that everybody just kind of hates him, and we all forget what he did even at San Diego before that and then at Stanford. I've lost complete confidence in them. I mean, you could probably put them at, I don't know where they are. Personally, I'm having a really hard time ranking them. I don't know how much of it was Shay Patterson's fault, how much of it is their offensive scheme, how much of it is Harbaugh. I don't know whose fault it is. I'm having a hard time placing them. They're going to be in the top 15. We can assume that, right? Oh, it seems pretty safe, yeah. That's what happened. I have a hard time believing that that team, when you yes, the Wisconsin game, Wisconsin was firing on all cylinders for that, and it turns out the, the Illinois game was just weird, and they were actually really good. But a team that goes into Madison and gets their ass kicked that bad, I'm having a hard time trusting that they can figure it out because I think that there's something deeper wrong. So I don't even know. I'm kind of with you. Like on Michigan, we talked about this before with like Nebraska and Texas. No matter where I think they should be ranked, I'm just going to move them down a little bit because I'm so sick of them being overrated. And that's not fair at all, but I don't care. Yeah, I, I, it's just, it's hey, let's provide some overcorrection for the field because exactly. we know that they're going to be overrated. It is a known fact. Go look at the polls. Yeah. Every year they are overrated. Notre Dame, at least, I mean, say what you want about Notre Dame. Say what you want about Brian Kelly and all of that and NBC, and the whole thing. But Notre Dame has played for a championship in the last 10 years, and they were in a playoff another year. And there's something to trust there. I mean, you can trust Book. I have, I can trust Brian Kelly a little bit. Like, There's nothing to trust for Michigan, and that's where I have a really, really hard time. That's why there's nothing to trust with Texas at all. I like a lot of their individual pieces. The talent is completely undeniable, but with all that talent, it makes me trust Nothing else. Like, Chris Ash was a great hire, I think. This is a weird offseason for him to come into. But I have no faith that Tom Herman can get this program to where expectations are. At least I can trust what Book can do, and I can trust what Brian Kelly can do. Absolutely. I think this is weird. Do you think Brian Kelly is somehow now underrated? Oh, totally. Yeah. I don't know where the Brian Kelly is not a good coach stuff come came from. I really – I mean – He's a good coach. I think he's widely known as an asshole, and then people just thought he was a bad coach. Yeah, there are plenty of assholes that are good at their job. I mean, yeah, but look what he done at Notre Dame after basically people couldn't figure it out for like twenty years. That's undeniable, and now it almost feels like he's underrated, which is insane for a guy like that at a program like that. Now that being said, Notre Dame is not a top twenty-five team this year. Like they shouldn't be in the preseason poll at oh, all. Oh, I think they should be in the preseason poll. Absolutely, there's enough trust there for me that I know they're going to be top twenty-five caliber. They'll they'll be in the top twenty. They might be in the well, top. It's not. 15. A, it's not about trust for me. It's about I'm looking at their team and what they have, and they're not a top twenty-five team. Now, maybe I'm doing preseason polls wrong. Maybe actual substance should have nothing to do with it, but. <laughs> If you look at their team, it's it's pretty hard to make the case that that roster is going to create a top 25 team this year. There's a lot of youth. I understand that the recruits they bring in are better than most programs, but it just looks like a young team that's the, not going to be all that great. The only other one that I have on here going off of that trust factor is USC because they have all these guys coming back. Um, like I trust Graham Harrell a little bit. He's done some great work in a really short career. First Mason Fine and North Texas, now Keaton Slovis. I think he's going to be a head coach like next year or the year after that. But show me something. Give me some reason to trust you. I'm not impressed with you going six and three 
in the Pac-12 or even 7-2. and two. I think that USC is going to be like in that 15 or 18 range. Where they're unique for me is I'm fine with saying they have top 15 potential. Again, there's nothing to believe that they can actually get to that potential. There's nothing for me to trust there at all. Doesn't it feel like you could take any of the middle of the pack Big 12 teams, put them in the Pac-12, and they would go 6-3 and three or 7-2? and two? That's a really good question. Because the top of the Pac-12 is, is pretty good. I, I, I'm not taking any shots there. It's just the middle and the bottom just seem so unimpressive every year for the last several years now that I, I really think if you took kind of an average to a slightly above average team, take Kansas State, put them in the Pac-12. I think they win eight or nine games every year. Let me flip it around. What would Arizona State do in the Big 12? I don't think they'd finish in the top half what of the What would league. Washington State do in the Big 12? Would they I definitely go don't think Washington State would. Three and six? Would they go five and four? Are we talking last year Washington State or this year Washington State? Because those are two last very year, different I mean, I, I feel like any program with a new coach this year, it's just a wash. Right. and We just That's can't talk I, about yeah. anything at all. So, yeah, like last year, the, you know, the nine and three Mike Leach teams. Like the the six and six Herm Edwards teams or like the seven and five Todd Graham teams. Like where do they finish in the Big Twelve? I think Mike Leach's best Washington State team is is a standard middle of the pack Big Twelve team. Really? Yeah, I do. Why? Where are you? I'm surprised. I think that the second tier of the Big Twelve hasn't really been there all the time for me. I think that there's almost sometimes not even a second tier because we've seen Oklahoma. And then behind them, yeah, we seem, I mean, you've talked about this before, where one team will kind of come up and challenge Oklahoma one year and then go back down. And then next year a different team will come up and then go back down. Like it's either TCU or Baylor or maybe Texas does it here and in there. But a lot of the time there's never that second tier in the Big 12. Therefore, I feel like it's just Oklahoma, nothing, and then some in the third tier, a bunch in the fourth tier, and then just Kansas down there. So as much as I like the depth of the Big 12, I feel like that's where the Pac-12 has that second tier that the Big 12 hasn't. Like, I think if you put Stanford in the Big 12 over the years, they would have done really, really well. And I think they would have been the consistent challenger to Oklahoma. Same with Oregon. Stanford's an interesting case just because of the contrast of styles. I'm always interested on how other teams that don't play like Big 12 teams would play in a Big 12 schedule. Um, hey, I want to I want to get back to the uh, the actual like the overrated poll stuff because I do have two more teams for you. They're both in the SEC. Uh, the first you mentioned at the top of the podcast, which is Texas A and M. I mean, we we know they're going to be ranked highly in this poll, right? We're 100 percent sure of that because they're just the team. Like, well, okay, I have 14. Let's just throw Texas A and M in there. They're like yeah, the, Jim Jimbo might get it together this year. They're like the Amen. Iowa of the mid teens. Like when you get to twenty three, that's when you throw Iowa in. When you get to fifteen, you're just like, all right, well, Texas A and M. Talk about potential of USC. Texas A and M is the same way. When you get to fifteen, you're like, yeah, I'll throw the Aggies in there. Yeah, and, and we talked several episodes ago about I, I did some some handicapping analysis of why there are s- some subtle signs from Vegas that A and M might actually live up to some of the hype this year. Uh, that I, we could go back and find that and cut that up maybe. But I do think A&M could live up to some of the hype, but I think the more interesting observation is that there is a 100% chance that they will be hyped in this poll. The other SEC team I have on here is maybe the most interesting of all of these because it's a unique argument for, I mean, maybe not unique, but it's different than these other programs where it's very understandable what we're talking about when we say, 
Notre Dame overrated preseason poll. And that is Ole Miss. No, I don't think they're even a player at all. You don't think so? You don't think they're going to get some votes? No, no, you don't they, think won't, the they won't. The Kiffin hype train is going to. No, no, they will not get one vote. Not Absolutely. one vote. I thought when not you said the other vote. SEC team, you were going to go Auburn. I just assumed that's what it was because I don't think Auburn was that great last year. They were not the better team in the opener against Oregon, and nothing they did offensively changed my mind on trusting Gus Malzahn in the future. And they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be in that. Texas A&M type of tier, maybe above them, where you get to number 10, you're like, all right, this is where we put in Auburn, even though I have no idea if Auburn's actually the 10th best team in the country. Uh, okay, let's stay on Auburn for a second. Where do you think they started the poll last year in the AP, and where do you think they finished it? Trying to picture that Oregon game. They were eight? Eight or nine? Uh, beginning of last year, they were 16. Auburn was 16 last year? They were 16. What was Oregon last year to start? 11. That's surprising. Where do you think they finished? Auburn? Uh, yeah. They finished right at the edge of the top. Two, uh, I think they were like 24. 14. What? <laughs> yeah. Part of this is me having so little interest in bowl season and not caring about rankings that come out after that. It's kind of like after the, the NCAA tournament and then they released the AP top 25. Like, who... Who cares about this at all? Well, and the reason I bring it up is I, I think Auburn lived in roughly the right neighborhood last year. I, I think, I mean, they I know they lost more games than a lot of other top 25 teams, but if you look at who they lost to and how they lost, like they were a good team. They were pretty good. I think they were a legit top 15 team, and that's pretty much where they lived. So you don't so, think that they'll be overrated based on last year at all? I, I don't. I think they'll probably be properly rated. I think they're generally viewed... As a top 15 team, they're they're usually not a championship SEC team, but they're a team that's good enough to beat the championship SEC team, if that makes any sense. I think that's how a lot of people look at them. I think that's usually how they're ranked. I think they're usually ranked about accurately. You don't think that the Alabama win last year will skew people? I mean, we, we hear everybody talk about, well, Texas beat Georgia in the bowl game. Whoever beat Georgia in the bowl game, they looked really good in the Alamo Bowl. They looked really good in the Insight Bowl or whatever. When in reality, those bowl games don't mean shit. And I'm not saying that the Iron Bowl doesn't mean shit, but do you don't think that people will overvalue that game and rank them higher than they should be because that's their last real memory of them? No, I really don't think they will. I think you're no, giving voters so. too much credit on that. Maybe I am, but I, I don't yeah. think... I don't think Auburn is a team that's consistently overrated. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Got anybody else? No, I think that's pretty much it. I'm surprised you you don't – you zero votes for Lane Kiffin. You think nobody's going to take a shot at Ole Miss year one. I think you were way off on that, and I think you were way off on thinking North Carolina won't be in the top 25. I would – I would put serious, I'm not even a betting man, I would put serious money that North Carolina will be in the top 25. Do they release odds like that? Do they release AP top 25 odds? I don't think so, no. I'd be curious. Maybe we'll check on that and, and follow up on that. I'd be very curious. North Carolina will be ranked. There's no doubt I in mean, my mind. I'm sure somebody does. I'm sure like you could go track down Vinny in Staten Island and he'll give you some kind of action. All right, let's call it. Follow the show on Twitter, at High Motor Pod. Chase is at Chase A. Kitty, and I am at a Dowdy 88 I'll be back on Thursday and then Chase and I'll be back next Monday. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast.
I saw a friend today, it had been a while And we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in